regular listeners will know that every so often I do like to sort of go outside the boundaries of Northampton and Northamptonshire and uh, invite international guests or people with an international perspective. And my next guest has got uh, both of those elements, meets both those criteria. It's somebody that I last met, gosh, probably in the 1990s. It is a fellow student of mine when we did our MBA in the wonderful city of Barcelona. But it's a very big, warm welcome to Gil Agnew. Gil, welcome to the show. It's been a long time since we've met. Goodness me, far too long. Erase una vez. One of the favorite expressions I learned together with uh, our class is once upon a time. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Lovely was it, to be back with you. Was it 1980, uh, 88 that we joined that class or 1888 is the question I asked myself. <laughs> yeah, yeah. I know the answer. <laughs> <laughs> so, some significant time ago. So just going back all those years, we were two years doing an MBA in one of the, you know, I have to say, one of the world's best business schools, certainly now. Um, mm -hmm. Good times? You look back fondly at those times? Oh, absolutely. You're talking about life changing, you know. Um, World War II changed life and war for everybody because it got you out of your little villages and suddenly brought people who wouldn't normally meet together. And so going abroad to do, you know, your master's in another country in another language um, had that same effect for me. <laughs> Transformative. Because you you grew up in Texas. Oh, we moved seven times before seventh grade, like any good oil field rats. Uh, but yeah, West Texas, uh, Louisiana, Houston, New York. And that's because of your, your parents, um, obviously, business. I yeah, suppose. That, that, that was that was before 10. Yeah. <laughs> goodness well that's that, that yeah so you got used to change obviously so you came over right. to barcelona and um did you stay or did you go back to the states i did you know my thinking in those times you know you and i are products of the reagan and thatcher year and we were you know specifically groomed and indoctrinated uh into the capitalist way so my thinking was we the u.s was quite scared of what fortress europe would do when they introduced this thing called the the euro so i thought well i'll be clever and go uh, to europe get my mba work a few years come back and then i'll be the darling of corporate america <clears throat> but instead i got to barcelona discovered garlic olive oil red wine and a few other things i won't mention uh and said oh hell no this is way more important so um, I stayed in Spain uh, 10 years and then 16 years in Amsterdam and then moved back to Spain 11 years ago. What was your first degree? Petroleum engineering with a minor in Spanish, like a good Texan. Yeah. OK. And then you did your MBA. So you were at that time, your ambition was what? To conquer corporate world, as you say, and become the. Well, I always. You remember, and this is hard for, I know for younger folks, but, you know, in the 80s, there was no technology, you know, it was be a doctor or a lawyer, and I'm too West Texan for that, it's like, oh, hell no, uh, and if you got a Bachelor of Arts, that meant yeah. you would have a life of poverty, um, and so engineering, even my father said, it's like, look, son, the world's getting more technical, regardless of what happens, an engineering degree is good, and mm -hmm. he was right, and and I, I do come from a long line of pioneers, Um Scotch-Irish, um, you know, fleeing the aggression of Brits in the 1700s. Um, and so I come from a long line of pioneers working on the, on the edge. And so my father exposed me to the world because he started working international when I was six. He never took me, but I knew it was out there. Yeah. Um, so, yeah, I knew I wanted to be international and I knew I wanted to be multilingual. But I knew... I didn't want to be an engineer all my life, but the techn technical background would be it. 
So the idea then was get an MBA, work four years, uh, sorry, get an engineering, work four years, get your MBA. And that's when I knew I could bring my communication skills to communicate complexity. Just to follow the career. So you were in Amsterdam for 10 years. This was in a corporate world, was it? What sort of what sort of area of business well, was it? Well, it was even more exciting because um, choosing to stay in Barcelona, you know, most of the jobs for expats were in Madrid with multinationals, which uh, a lot of our colleagues did. But I was like, oh, hell no, Barcelona is way too interesting uh, and stimulating. And so I got hired uh, as one of the 16 engineers with MBAs on the core operations team to organize the Barcelona Olympics. Mm. And I was the only non-Spaniard and the only non-Catalan, and I had to do it in a third language. So I'd learned Spanish, but then I had to learn Catalan. So that was something I wasn't expecting. Yeah. Um, yeah. Funny enough, my engineering degree and four years work at, uh, as an engineer at Exxon in West Texas so helped me organize the games. Um, so I got really socially, economically, and politically integrated into Catalan society mm-hmm. um, and then got hired by the Japanese to do industrial marketing there. And then the Japanese liked what I was doing. Well, hired by the Catalans. The Japanese saw what I was doing and they asked me to come to Amsterdam and do strategic marketing for Europe, Middle East and Africa. And, you know, so that was a huge jump in my 30s um, and got me the international jet set life I wanted and paid for. Um, but also... What we live through, Adrian, mm. you know, launching the Euro, launching the first website in seven languages. We had no idea what that meant or how to do it. <laughs> you know, deconstructing the the, the absolute stalwarts of uh, Sony Europe and Sony uh, UK, try and tell the Brits how to market uh, and create European teams. So it was just a lot of team building of deconstructing country fiefdoms and really, you know, European integration. So the, the essence of it for me was uh, a lot of working with multilingual, multicultural teams. Mm. Which is fascinating. And that's one of the things I teach is around cross-cultural management, cross-cultural leadership. And we could have a, a whole hour talking about that. Lots Just of to... team building and, and wine drinking and good food. <laughs> yeah, break bread with people. Absolutely. Right. But um, right. I don't know how many of our listeners will remember the Barcelona Olympics, but they were a tremendous success, I think, widely recognized and put Barcelona on the map and turned it right. into one of the... Europe, if not the world's best, what is it? Um, short break destinations, right? Right. Well, that was the deregulation of airlines in Europe. Now, 50% of all airlines into Barcelona are low cost. So that's another discussion. <laughs> <laughs> but it was also to do with the photography that is it David Bassat of Ogilvy Mather. He, you know, some of the images that went around the world as a result of that. Oh, so- yeah. Oh, no, absolutely. Absolutely. And it was such a coming out party for the city because after 40 years of repression by Franco, yeah. Um, and so it was like mothers against drunk driving. Uh, no one was against it. And it was amazing to watch how all corners and aspects of Catalan society came together in agreement for that. Yeah, very much so. Which makes it all the sadder, much more sadder than what recently happened in terms of the way society was split around the independence vote, of course, in the last five, six years. Yeah, correct. Which again, um, uh, my wife's listening. She will have plenty to say on Catalan. As you say, a whole, well, well, whole other discussion, <laughs> right? But let's come back to this one. <laughs> back to this one. So, what what happened then that uh, you came? You know, you and corporate life sort of uh, parted ways. What were the triggers for that, and uh, what have you been doing since? 
You know, it's really great. I, uh, you know, as you move up in companies, you get a little more support and you get a little coach and goes, yeah, I see you flying off at some point, you know, whether it's your Peter principle, <clears throat> you reach your competence level, or as I saw, you know, I just saw only two bosses ahead of me and each time you would get promoted, your quality of your life goes down. It's like, well, I don't want that. <laughs> and then I was told by the British managers, I wasn't competitive enough and wasn't trying hard enough for the job. It's like, well, I thought it'd be based on merit. I didn't think uh, management is a gladiator sport, but um, so I was like, oh, hell no. But I think big, my West Texan comes out. Uh, but I think that the bigger, so part of it was that, you know, vini vidi um, traveling 90 days a year. It cost me my relationship because I was never home and always working. Um, but what I really realized, Adrian, is I needed to be more creative. Mm -hmm. And I didn't think I was creative. So I said, well, I use my left brain um, capacities as an engineer and economist to work with some uh, great artists because artists are never taught these things, right? And so I worked, I quit and I went through the two bankruptcies in 12 months with creating the first 3D content for the first 3G phones. Um, so I, you know, apart from living through the emergence of the Euro, the first websites and multi-languages, uh, all these big, huge computer systems, trying to use one marketing across countries. Um, I worked uh, in, the emergence of telephony and the mobile so that was another you know always kind of on the edge and um but that again was a disaster <laughs> as an entrepreneur i mean whose bankruptcy was that the company you worked yeah, for was it your yeah. company or was it you <laughs> no i i had left corporate you know I, you know i really ran around said like, what do i i want you know and and um when this opportunity came up with a dutch startup that was producing the first 3d content it's still around blender.org um to revolutionize 3D modeling and animation, which was very much a, a, a high-end business a boys club in Japan and California, London, uh, where you needed really expensive equipment and really talented people. But as we know, that's all changed as well. And now you can do 3D on your phone. So it was just kind of those early days, but we were early. It was not my money. It wasn't my idea. So I learned a lot. <laughs> yeah, no, very much so. I think very formative. A bit like me when I left Barclays and went to work for three American um, entrepreneurs in Tenerife. It really blows your mind, doesn't it? But you discover Correct. yourself. I think you do discover Correct. yourself, and then tap into. Okay, so th that phase I think has also come to an end, has it? So what are you currently yeah. doing? Well, you know, you get older and wiser. So leaving corporate at forty and going through that, it's really in my fifties. You know, when I stopped corporate, I had more space for myself. And of course, uh, spend time with any wisdom, uh, wise elder or wisdom keeper. And, you know, it sounds cliche, but the answer is inside. And it slowly and took time for me to understand and my own journey. The name New Energy came up already uh, 15, 18 years ago, but it's only still feeling into what all that is now. You know, the, the, your soul is really funny how it'll give you peaks. It'll peak through every now in certain stages of your life, you know, when you're 12 or 17 or 25. <clears throat> but it's always amazing as you get older and you look back, things that didn't seem to make sense of your journey suddenly make perfect sense because they've given you the skill and experience to do what you're going to do next. Mm. 
That is really interesting, isn't it? Because, you know, likewise, at 50, I suddenly realize I'm not going to conquer the world. It's a degree of acceptance, but also a degree of wisdom. And you do begin to see things differently, whether this is the seven ages of man coming in. Um, yeah. But but so new, you mentioned new energy. That's inner as an in outer or energy, newenergy.com. Uh, so, you know, you, you if I may simplify, paraphrase what you've been telling me before we came um, on air, you've moved into a more spiritual era of your life then, yes? Absolutely. You know, uh, again, I bought hook, line, and sinker all the social conditioning we were brought up with, mostly. <laughs> but my, like I said, my soul peeked through to rebel every now and then. <laughs> and while we spent years on IQ, and then we thought we were getting very smart with EQ, emotional intelligence, what's emerged now, the next natural progression is SQ, spiritual quotient. What is your spiritual intelligence? Um, and Amsterdam and the Netherlands was you know, a great, uh, healthy place for me. Um, I started my spiritual journey there when I was, you know, we were all bank, uh, all, all sitting on our thumbs unemployed after the dot-com crash uh, in the early 2000s. Um, and so that's really the path I've, I've been on. And it's taking you um, into quite a lot of what is quite, what's the word? fascinating um possibly a little bit abstract it's hard to get your head around it because if you've been on a journey for years i suppose it's going to be difficult to, to transmit to me or even to our listeners exactly all those elements of it right we will give a, a well, website uh, later well, on but you know in simple well, terms but to, no, to your to your point um if you ask anybody who's been on a, a personal discovery journey uh and particularly even the authors that we like and read um they'll all say it's it, it it's decades and so the beauty is uh, there's always more to learn and experience. It's that big. Yeah. Um, and so in my case, um, you know, keys to youth and anti-aging is curiosity is fundamental. And so quitting corporate and having time, I've given myself the space and the bandwidth to direct that curiosity <clears throat> to understand the biggest picture I can. And that led me to work with a British cosmologist, uh, Dr. Jude Curvin, who I um, was just so gobsmacked with that I worked with her for five years uh, and really gave me another master's and, and upping my own game. Uh, Dr. Curvin uh, did her master's in astrophysics and cosmology at Oxford in the early 70s with Hawkins when they were just discovering black holes. But she didn't stay in academia and went into business. And she was the highest ranking businesswoman in the 90s in the UK, um, CFO group board member for HMV and Dr. Scholl. But she then quit that and then got her PhD in archaeology, focusing on ancient cosmologies. And I said, well, first, you know, I kind of educated, but uh, I'm just a functionally illiterate engineer from West Texas. What is cosmology? I had to really look it up. And it's really how we understand our world, our universe, and our place in it. And what's fascinating is when you look at how our collective understanding of who we are changes over uh, society, over decades, over centuries, over millennia. And when you look at it that way, you realize it's static. It's not static, it, it, it changes. And so what, what's happening is right now we are evolving our understanding of the universe and our place in it. And that's where I've been really pushing my, my perseverance and curiosity to understand what that is. Hmm. Well, and it's, you know, it's brought you 
a long way. There's, I'm going to give you a couple of phrases that you can perhaps build on. But firstly, I think everything taught is wrong. That's quite a, a, an extreme statement. So, you know, basically you think that it's time for a change or we need to rephrase well, I'd, I'd rephrase it. Um, everything you've been taught is partial at best and certainly fragmented. It's, it's not the whole picture. And some of it will be absolutely uh, misplaced. In fact, um, back to the Brits, Sir Rupert Sheldrake, if you don't know him, great British, bi uh, I don't know what kind of biologist you call him, um, you know, was absolutely blacklisted, you know, when he brought out and by the British scientific community and globally, because um, he put out his book, Science Set Free. And if you apply the scientific method to the 10 basic tenets of Western science, none of them hold up. So that means all of our education and research is based on 10 tenets, which are not, um, don't stand up to the scientific method, just to give you an example. <laughs> well, yeah, that now before we did mention science and religion had separated in the West, right, that we yeah. allowed rational scientific inquiry alongside uh, religion, which other faiths may have suppressed. We went through our own battles in terms of Coper Copernicus and Galileo yeah. uh, with the Catholic Church. But that yeah. I think that is, uh, you know, uh, one of the elements of the Western world is that we do have the two running sort of separate tracks. Are you suggesting now they should be actually brought back together in some way? Uh, not suggesting it, it's happening. And this is what is the interesting part. And that is the focal, the fo focal point of a lot of this uh, new cosmology is the convergence of Western science with universal spiritual understanding and experience. They're naturally coming back together as our Western science discovers more. Well, that's I think that's a big thought. Um, I think we can understand what you're you're saying about it. Um, the cosmology comes in. So another phrase you introduced me to: act local, feel global, think. Well, let me just let me just put a, a bow on that one. I think yeah. the way to summarize what that convergence looks like. Um, this is where I think Dr. Curvin is so critical. For me, she has the the most holistic view of physics, biology, chemistry, consciousness, and is able to weave them together. Mm. And I think she's one of the leading uh, voices to articulate that convergence. How exactly is Western science showing the spirituality of, of, of unity? And so she and I co-founded a website, which uh, precisely for this purpose, to help people wrap their heads around it. Um, we, we talk about it, uh, Adrian, is like a car. Some people want to lift the hood and you know take apart the carburetor. Some people want to drive it. Some people just want to sit in the back, and some people really just, just like you know watch it go by. So I would direct you to whole world hyphen or dash view dot org. He's got the whole world dash view dot org, yeah. and there we have the simplified summary. We have the scientific uh, summary. We have access to the books. There's a trilogy. The Cosmic Hologram, Information at the Center of Creation, we released at the House of Lords and the United Nations Church Center in 2017, which is redefining our understanding of physics and thermodynamics. Uh, a year ago, the story of Gaia came out, and it is the most accessible uh, read of evolution that did not start with a big bang. That's the first thing about restory to restore our understanding. It was an exquisite 
big graph. <laughs> and so that story is out. And I just think uh, anybody, if you really want to wrap your head around what evolution is, I would take you to that. And uh, she's currently writing the third chapter, Many Voices, One Heart, which the the story of our species and the choice point we're in, which will come out next year. So wholeworld-view.org. Wholeworld-view.org. Well, that, yeah, is definitely worth looking at. And some of these concepts, even though they may be difficult to grasp, I think we see in other ways appearing, you know, the holistic, bring your whole self to work, holistic um, treatment, um, you know, Reiki, all those sort of, uh, with a lot to learn from the East and the Orient and more no. spiritual societies in many ways and the, the wisdom of the ancients i think is another phrase you you often hear now you're based in the um in well the and US. that's what i and, I, and that's and that's the point adrian is flip that we always say it's ancient wisdom and modern technology mm. turn that around the ancients were so much more connected had such a higher awareness and consciousness than we do and that's what we've lost and so the invitation is to learn from them and adopt the ancient technologies around consciousness, awareness, the earth energies, the ley lines of the grid. This is, again, this came out of the UK after being absent for 300 years uh, in 1920s. Uh, a Brit had a download and saw the landscape in the energetic grid. And so <clears throat> we're, we're recovering the ancient technologies, which were so instrumental in building ancient Britain, um, England, uh, Britain, um, and using those to generate modern wisdom. That's uh, the core of the invitation. Powerful thinking. Where next for Gil Agnew in the next five to 10 years? You know, how will you see this particular uh, stream of, of consciousness developing or, you know, personal ambitions? Yeah. You know, I look at, we were anticipating 2020. All, all wisdom keepers and people paying attention understood clearly that come hell or high water, 2020 would be a crucible of consciousness. None of us could tell you it was virus and riots, but we were constellating it in London in, in September 29, trying to understand what was coming on the horizon. And you, so for me, that was the opening act in this evolutionary moment we're living. Nothing here is coincidence. And if you think about it, our planet Gaia, she was as gentle as she could be. Uh, mm -hmm. You know, 250,000 people lost their life in 30 minutes in the tsunami 10 years ago. But it took longer for that. We were able to completely stop civilization on the planet and leave all of the infrastructure intact, which wars do not do, as you recall. Mm -hmm. <laughs> and so that was the invitation to reset. Um, review, recalibrate all those relationships around you. Are you in the world how you want to be? You know, so many incredible new things and creativities come out of that period. Um, and then we're going through act three and four, the shifts, you know, the old systems are not standing up because they're based on a patriarchal power system um, of separation. And so as our systems have to be rethought, reprogrammed, rewritten, um, we're moving through that metamorphosis. And my expectation is that expect more surprises the next year, um, and, you know, like things out of left field you don't see coming. And once we get through this birth canal, we'll spend the next generation or two reformatting everything.
So opportunity, are you optimistic about the future? Uh, totally. And that's where you have to be careful. You know, um, there's a beautiful British woman, uh, Janice Dolly, who founded Kana, Christians Awakening to a New Awareness in London in probably the 80s, 70s or 80s. And she was already reminding us in 2018, it's like, look, cultivate your own personal discipline or practice that allows you to stand comfortably between the two polarities. Mm. Whether it's walking the dog or you know, uh, swimming or just sitting in your meditation, whatever it is that allows you drawing uh, to be able to sit comfortably, you know, buckle your seatbelt. So this is why your inner practice your, is necessary to create new energy, which gives you that optimism. And because if you don't and you get wrapped into the news and you obsess with it, it's a downward spiral energetically. So the reason I'm such an optimist, uh, Adrian, is because I'm learning to find the signal above the noise. I'm looking uh, over the hill to see what's on the horizon. And I'm connected globally, digitally with some all the people working to reformat and create the next version. And it's actually very exciting. Well, indeed. Amazing. Thank you so much. Uh, think cosmic, feel global, act local, or the other way around, act local, feel global, but think cosmic. Out of the chaos can come something better. I think we must all hold on to that hope. Correct. Gil, Gil Agnew, um, thank you so much for the time in a, in a, in a busy and, and fascinating life to tell us all about this. If anybody would like to know more, have a look at a Whole World. That's W-H-O-L-E, W-O-R-L-D, hyphen view, Whole World View dot org and uh, that might start uh, you on a you know each of us on a, an individual journey in terms of a higher level of consciousness awareness of we are all everything is connected i think that was the principle of gaia and um, you know there is a promised land a better world out there if only we can perhaps move away from some of the hardwired short-term thinking that we've got and material possibly to a slightly you know other things have value in our lives but gilag you many thanks indeed keep safe Keep well and keep curious.